All right, well, we are in the book Daniel. And we are uh, going to be finishing up Daniel chapter 1 this morning. And the title of this morning is uh, when, when Life Isn't Fair. And uh, life isn't being fair to Daniel and these three uh, Hebrew boys in chapter 1. Um, just a little bit of background on these, uh, these boys. Uh, these boys are come from royal, noble families. They're families of, from families of nobility, the Bible says. That's who Nebuchadnezzar wanted to bring from Jerusalem into his palace there in Babylon. And so, uh, let me just read verse 3 this morning in Daniel chapter 1. It says this, Then the king com- com- commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family of the and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. And so these are boys of privilege. You could say that they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Okay, they were used to having Jerusalem's finest. They had the best education uh, that any child could, uh, could want. Uh, they were extremely competent, the Bible says, to stand in any king's palace, let alone uh, Nebuchadnezzar's. They were good-looking. They were without blemish. There were no physical challenges in their life. Life was good for these boys in Jerusalem. But then God had a way of turning their lives upside down. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, came in and he conquered uh, Jerusalem. And uh, they took these boys away, and that was in Uh, 605 B.C. This was the first of three waves of exiles that would go to uh, Babylon. The last one being, I believe, in 687 B.C. And so here we have these boys in Nebuchadnezzar's palace. And uh, and this is what's going to happen in their palace. Um, It says this. They're going to be taught, this is in verse 4, towards the end of verse 4. They're going to be taught the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Uh, the king has assigned them daily daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. <clears throat> and they would be educated in the king's palace for three years. And so here these boys have come from Jerusalem to uh, Babylon. And uh, the the king is going to make all of these wonderful things made available to these boys, the elite of Babylon, 
that's how these boys are going to be treated. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's not a bad deal. These boys are going to continue to have it good. And yes, they are. They do have it good compared to other Jewish boys who are, who are going to be slaves throughout the Babylon kingdom. But there's something else that's going on here. Uh, because Neb's strategy, Nebuchadnezzar's strategy, is to completely indoctrinate and assimilate uh, these Jewish boys into Babylonian culture. Um, and the reason why he's wanting to do this, because he has a strategy. You know, if he can capture the young minds of the Jewish elite, he can c- control the culture of uh, all the Jewish people who are coming uh, from Jerusalem into exile. If he can capture the, the minds of the, the next generation, he can have control over uh, this people group that he's bringing into his kingdom. Does that sound familiar? Folks, we live in a culture today that understands how important it is to capture the minds of the next generation. And there is a public school system that's doing a really good job at capturing the young minds of the elementary student, the secondary school student, and the university students. And this this ungodly, um, worldly mindset that's controlling our education today knows that if they can capture those minds, they will control the culture. They will be able to influence the rest of culture. I don't know if you had an opportunity to read um, or hear Al Moeller's radio program this week. But uh, he highlighted uh, California's new sex education framework that's uh, being implemented in public schools. It's the new manifesto. It, and uh, he talks about the fact that the LGBTQ is, um, is, is behind this movement in our public education system. And, uh, you know, it used to be in public schools that they were just teaching our children about sex and how to have safe sex. But there is a whole new framework that's being established within the public school system. And it's not just about sexuality right now, but it's coming under the label of health education. For you see, as long as it's under sex education, parents uh, have the ability 
to keep their children from being indoctrinated or listening to what the public school system is wanting to teach at that moment regarding sex education. But if these bigger issues regarding uh, transgenderism, uh, same-sex relationships, um, uh, what that? Etc. Et yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. Move along, dear. <laughs> um, these issues, if it can come under health education, then guess what? Schools don't have to tell parents that this is what's being taught to your child on this particular day. This is just going to be something that's built into the, the, the curriculum that's a way of life. And the reason why they're, they're so adamant, they're so aggressive in this area is because they're wanting to control the next generation. And that is Nebuchadnezzar's strategy. That's what he's doing with these boys. And so as we look at this passage of scripture this morning, um, these boys' lives truly have been torn up, uh, turned upside down. They've been torn apart from their families, never to see their parents again, dragged off to Babylon to a place that uh, is very unfamiliar to them, they're never going to see their homeland again. They're never going to have the same education again. They're being religiously discriminated against. The Bible says that they're given new names. And not just any names, but names of idol gods that the people of Babylon worship. There's systemic racism going on uh, with this group of people. Uh, they're Jewish nationalists. National and religious identity is to be ignored. It's, it is to be erased. There is a new way of life that these boys are going to be uh, forced to live in. They're being indoctrinated into the culture and language of the Chaldeans. And to rub more salt into the wound, into the wound of these boys they're most likely having to have their masculinity removed. You'll see in verse um, 3, the Bible says, The king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel on and on. So here we have Ashpenaz, who is the chief eunuch of all the boys who are here in the king's palace. And they very most likely would have been, uh, <clears throat> have lost their masculinity having to be in the king's palace. Never being able to be a dad. Why was Nebuchadnezzar, why, why was this to happen in the king's palace? Because the king wanted to be able to trust the young men who were around the queen and the princesses in his palace. He wanted to be able to trust them. And so 
they would be surgically changed. And so that very well may have happened to these boys. So, so much for the privileged ones. And so what do these men, these young boys, choose to do? Well, what could they do? They couldn't protest what was happening to them. You know, they even had their names changed in verse 8. Look, what, look at verse 8. Not verse 8, but verse 6. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names, Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Again, these names that, their na- their, their, that they were changed to were idol gods of Babylonia. And they couldn't protest those new names. Now, it's interesting to see as you read through chapter 1 that even though they didn't pre- protest their new names, they kept, still kept their old names. You know, Daniel is telling this story uh, 70 years later. If you go to uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 21, uh, that verse reads, And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So that's 70 years later. And so Daniel is telling this story uh, 70 years later. And as he refers to... Um, to them in chapter 1, in verse 11 and in verse 19, you see Daniel using their Hebrew names. He wasn't using the, the names of the idol gods. So even though the king gave them new names, they never lost their old identity. Okay, But they couldn't protest having received these new names. Because had they protested, had they fought the king, rebelled against the king, their heads would have been removed. So here are these Jewish boys who have no rights whatsoever. But... Daniel wanted to continue to trust God. Even though their world had been turned upside down, the Bible says in verse 8 of chapter 1, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. Daniel was resolved in his heart to trust God to not defile himself with the king's food. The Bible says this, with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. What's happening here? Even though all these things had happened in these boys' life, David did not want to defile himself. And so he wanted to trust God. 
and uh, he was conscientious about the food that he would be receiving, the boys would be receiving from the king's table. He knew the law of God. He knew the word of God. He knew what he was to eat and not to eat. And so David chose to pay attention to the food. And he requested that, um, that the, he and the boys would be able to be, be able to refrain from the king's diet, from food that had been sacrificed to idols, that, to food that was off limit to these Jew- Jewish boys in the first place, according to God. And so the Bible says David resolved that he would not defile himself. He made a, a Daniel in his heart made this commitment. And then look what God did. Verse 9. And the Bible says in verse 9, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion. Two-step two process here, church. Christian. Number one, you need to resolve in your heart not to be defiled, not to defile yourself. If you make that commitment to God, you're going to find favor in the Lord's eyes. Now, it may not go the way you want it to go, but just know this, you're going to have favor in God's eyes. Verse 11, the Bible says this. And then in verse 19, the Bible says, And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. God gave them wisdom. He gave wisdom to Daniel in order to be able to interpret dreams. Not everybody had that gift. But God gave. But first, Daniel had to resolve in his heart not to be defiled. Parents, I, I want to just encourage you. I, I know I talked about the state of California and all this, the, the morality changes that are taking place in our public school system. And you might think to yourself, but I don't have choice. You know, I can't afford the other option. Or maybe God has uh, convicted you that that's where your children need to be and, and you want them to be salt and light. Well, moms and dads, you've got to resolve in your heart not to defile yourself. And you need to resolve in your heart that you are going to disciple, that you are going to train your children to know the biblical worldview versus the world's view of morality. And if you resolve in your heart, and if you walk in the ways of the Lord, and you're that godly example, and you're encouraging them to to, uh, set a godly influence in school, choose uh, good friends, encourage those good relationships, you know what? Your children will thrive in public school education. 
I grew up in public school education. And I thrived in public school education. But I had grandparents and parents who were encouraging me to do the right thing. And so here are these boys, they're behind enemy's lines, they're in this palace, they're under all this Babylonian influence, culture is just weighing upon them, and they're thinking to themselves, God, I want to continue to trust you. I want to do the right thing. I want to resolve in my heart not to be defiled. I know what your word says. And so, God, I'm going to step out in faith right here. And the Bible says in verse um, 9 that God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Verse 10, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, Hey, I fear my lord, the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? See, Daniel was requesting that instead of eating from the king's table, food that would defile them, they requested that he they just eat vegetables, eat vegetables and drink water. And so the chief of the eunuchs heard that, and, and uh, you know, his life would be in jeopardy if he were to allow that. But Daniel doesn't stop there. The Bible says in verse 11, Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Give us ten days, Daniel says. Let's be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat from the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. And so he listened to them in this manner and tested them for ten days. And so God honored their request and allowed this test to occur for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. Now, that word fatter in flesh is not necessarily fatter, but healthier Okay, then all the youths who ate at the king's table. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables for three years. And so after ten days, it was obvious that God had blessed these boys compared to the others in the palace. And so... uh, the, the servant honored their request and ate nothing but vegetables and water for three years. How many, got any little kids? How many kids in this How many like vegetables? Oh, one does, you know. Uh, uh, but these kids really like vegetables and uh, ate that diet for three, for three solid years. And then verse 17, the Bible says, And as for the four youths, God gave them 
learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So this was God's blessing on these boys' lives. So this is what's happening in Daniel chapter 1. Their life is being turned upside down. And so as we complete this message this morning, as I complete this this morning, what do you do when life isn't fair? Because these boys had no voice other than their request for 10, 10 days. They didn't want to defile themselves. I mean, they had no rights. They had no voice. They had no authority. They were in a foreign land, and they were being brainwashed. Someone else was in control of their life. What are they going to do? And we all get there, church. We find ourselves in situations where we're thinking to ourselves, this isn't fair. Why is this happening? What can you do? What do we see Daniel doing in chapter 1? Three things as we conclude this morning. Number one, don't play the victim card. Trust God's word. Daniel knew what God had said about dietary laws. And if they followed dietary laws, that health would, would follow. God would bless their lives physically. Daniel knew that this diet that Nebuchadnezzar was offering would defile his body according to what God had said. And so he wanted to trust God. Even, even though Babylon was more than he could handle, he didn't want to surrender his diet. He, didn't, he thought that if he had surrendered his diet, that he would uh, be totally indoctrinated to the evil of the enemy. And by following God's diet... Daniel was telling God, God, I know where my sustenance comes from. I know that you are the creator of all things. I know you want me to be dependent upon you. And God, I want to be trusting you in this according to what you said, according to dietary laws. And even though he was in a deplorable situation, all these things that happened in Daniel's life, he wanted to trust God. Because Daniel knew God. And Daniel knew that God was sovereign even in this situation. Daniel knew that God had created the world. God knew, Daniel knew that uh, Judah was God's chosen people. God was sovereign over all things. And if he could be sovereign over all of creation, you know what? He could be sovereign in Babylon as well. 
So in that moment, in that time, he was going to take God at his word and trust him. The Bible says in Psalm 115, verses 2 and 3, and Daniel knew this verse. I mean, this psalm was written about 900 uh, B.C. This is now 605 B.C. Daniel knows this verse when it says, Why do the nations say, Where is their God? Oh, our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. He does whatever he pleases. Church, there may be things that he's doing that doesn't please you. There were things that God was doing in this situation that wasn't pleasing Daniel. But Daniel knew that God was sovereign and behind it all. Again, go back and revisit the things that have happened in these young boys' lives. They can't protest. They can't complain. They can't rebel. And their only hope is to trust God and not defile themselves. And so they are going to take God at His word. Not only are we to trust God, trust His word, but number two... We need to allow circumstances to build inner character. These boys resolved not to defile defile themselves. They, They respected the king and all of his other demands. And this is what the word says. Verse 20. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. He saw these boys with wisdom character, integrity, and a king to trust these young men. And they were given great influence. What was happening in their lives was absolutely horrendous. Possibly could never be a dad because of what had been done to them. But these boys allow their circumstances for God to build inner character in them. And whatever is happening in your life, my friend, you need to allow it to build inner character in you. We may not like the circumstances, And the circumstances can either make you more bitter or it can make you better. 
And if it's going to be, if it's going to make you better, you need to take, be taking God at His word, and you need to know that God is behind all of this. God is in, is sovereign over everything, not just the things that we like. He's over, over everything. He's got a purpose in all of it. These boys knew that, and they allowed that knowledge to build inner character into their heart and life. Romans 8, 7 says this, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot So you can respond one of two ways when things aren't going your way. You can react in the flesh and just go off the deep end. Or you can be walking in the Spirit and believing that God is in control and that He's going to give you the strength that you need to get through a difficult situation. These boys had every reason in the world to focus on the flesh. They could have complained about how unjust the Babylonian system was. They could have complained. They could have been absolutely bitter. And you know what would have happened to them? They would have been killed. Off with their head. But instead, they took God at his word that God was over it all, and he had a plan and purpose for what they were going through. You don't see them blaming God whatsoever in this passage of Scripture. They were resolved in their heart to trust him, to not defile himself. God is going to be true to his word. And you know what? That was their only hope. They didn't have any attorneys representing them on the wings to go before a judge to claim their rights. No. All they had was God and his word and who they knew him to be. And then number three, when life isn't fair, set your mind on above. They weren't looking at their earthly circumstances. Their mind was set on God and his sovereignty. That's all Daniel could do. And these boys didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. But Paul says this in Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on things above and not on the things that are on the earth. These boys were resting in God's sovereignty. That was their only hope. Their situation was unjust. But Daniel in his heart was saying, Lord, I don't like it, 
but you have a plan that's greater than I can see. And I choose to set my faith above rather than what I see in the here and now. That's setting your mind on things above. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Again, another verse that Daniel didn't have back in 605 B.C. It says this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh. Boy, it would have been really easy to have regarded Nebuchadnezzar according to the flesh. He was one wicked dude. He had done some really bad things, mean things to us. But these boys, Daniel was looking at King Nebuchadnezzar. And they knew that this king was only a vessel, only a tool in the hands of the living God. God was completely in control of Nebuchadnezzar. God had a plan and a purpose. So he wasn't regarding Nebuchadnezzar to in the flesh through the eyes of God goes on second corinthians 5 16 even though we once regarded christ according to the flesh we regard him thus no longer that's why so many people tripped over jesus because they were only looking at jesus in the flesh they didn't see him through spiritual eyes they didn't see him that he was god the creator of the universe made flesh to walk among us You need to learn to set your mind on things above. And that's where Daniel was at. He was looking at the circumstances in the flesh, but from a spiritual perspective. What happened? God blessed Daniel. God blessed these these boys. Ten times greater, the Bible says, than the rest in the king's palace. Now, just know, that may not happen in your situation. Don't assume that what happened in Daniel and these boys' life is going to happen in your situation. God's writing something different in your, in your life. He's got a different plan and purpose in your life. But the best thing you can do for yourself is resolve in your heart to take him at his word, to trust his sovereignty. Allow God to use these awful circumstances in your life to make you more like Jesus. And set your mind on the things above rather than the things of this earth. I understand setting our minds on the things of this earth. This, the things that we can see, boy, captivate our attention. And we lose perspective of God's sovereignty. Set your mind on things above. God has a plan and purpose in it all. When life is not fair. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for the testimony of these young men. God, the things that you want to teach us by the way they conducted their lives in a very difficult situation that wasn't fair. Wasn't fair from an earthly perspective. What's going on in your life right now, Fred? What's hard? What's not fair? God's sovereign. He has a plan. God says he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He holds you in his hand. He knows your name. Your name is written on the palm of his hand. He sent his son, Jesus, to die in your place. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. You are the apple of his eye. just as a mother is consumed by the thoughts of her child and so concerned about their their safety and their well-being and their future moms you know what I'm talking about Times your child keeps you up at night because you care so much about them. That's the nature of God. He's consumed about you. He cares about you. And he's using these difficult situation, this difficult situation to make you more like his son Jesus. Look above. Don't look around. Don't look at the problem. Look to Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word. And you understand each and every far more than I I know or understand. God, you know each one. May they leave this place of worship this morning trusting your sovereign watch care. Because we're going to see this over and over and over again in the book of Daniel. God, impress this on our heart, please. We need you and to know you in this way. In Christ's name we pray.